Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Your Normal Books. My name is Kalen. How are you guys doing today? I am doing pretty good. It's been a good week for me so far. On Tuesday, I turned 30. So got to celebrate my birthday while having a eye appointment and going to work. So apparently that is adulthood, even though I've been an adult for the last 12 years, it still sucks. Um, oh, everything's been doing pretty good. Um, I'm not really too much to complain about. I have stolen quite a bit of my mom's own birthday gifts. Her birthday is three days before mine. I was a lovely birthday present, for, a belated birthday present to herself. Um... Uh, I, what I got my mom is, it's basically the same thing that I get her almost every year. I used to get her flowers and a bottle of wine, but the flowers die. She never drinks the wine. So I went with something else, which is, um, I got her chocolate covered strawberries from a place called, or a, a website called Sherry's Berries. And it's been like kind of the thing that I get for her every year for like the past, like three, four years. Um, I don't remember if I could do it last year or not. Yeah, last year, I, I mean, last year for my birthday, I was pretty good, even though we are in the middle of quarantine. Um, I went and I got dinner with my mom, um, which consisted of us ordering food from Texas Roadhouse, going to go, going shopping and picking it up really. Cause at that point, um, we were still, we were about a little over a month into quarantine. And the reason we went shopping was we were trying to find toilet paper. And we finally found like a, like 48 roll thing. And I'm just like, I don't care how much this is. We are getting this because that's when everyone went into the craze where they needed toilet paper like crazy. Like everyone just got some much fucking toilet paper. I, I, I don't understand it. I know, but I mean, it was a good day. Um, not really much else has been going on. I have actually, um, been reading an abundance of books because as of right now I have all of the books read for the Mindfuck series. I have them all read. I have all the notes typed out. I just have to wait to record them. And so it gives me a little bit of time to read um, some more books. So in the past week alone, no, I'm going to not go say the past week, but in the past, like, three days, I have probably read about eight, eight to nine books, and I, I read so much, and I read very fast, um, and, and it, it's, really, it still surprises me of how much I love to read, because I think I've said before, I hated to read as a kid, I absolutely hated it. I remember um, my dad locked me in a room when I was, God, I think I was like in like fourth grade or something. And um, 
I, and it, this is it. Why the reason he did that, and and it was not any form of abuse or anything. It was because I had to do a book report, and I kept on doing every anything and everything else besides putting doing this book report. And I had like, I had like our teacher gave us like two weeks or something like that for us to read the book and then write about it. And I did Charlotte's Web. I had watched the movie. I did not want to fucking read this book and do this goddamn report. But my I my dad basically forced me to do it. And I'm and I'm very glad that he did. Because that kind of started the the leeway of or started the not the leeway, but um kind of started just me wanting to read and then once I got hooked on to reading my parents didn't want me to read as much because I would shut myself in my in my room and read and I would basically be forced to come downstairs and have family time and I'm just like kind of thinking back on like how it was like really like growing up like I remember all these fun things like we had one of those old picnic tables in our yard um I can't remember how we got it I don't know if my dad built it or if um we got it from somewhere but um we used to do grilling and it was a very very awesome treat growing up to where we got steaks where we could have on the grill because steaks were expensive I mean we weren't we weren't low income, but having three kids that are constantly growing out of their clothes because it's just, it, it was, it was basically just growth spurt after growth spurt. Like I think from, um, seventh grade to eighth grade, I went from like five, five to five, eight, like I shot up. And so obviously had to get some new clothes. And so with with just that, I mean, it was a lot. Like having two girls and a boy is just a lot for any household. Um, But I remember um, we would kind of use one of our windows in the living room as a... um, like a drive-through window almost or not I, I don't want to say drive-through window but like if you go to like those um drive-up restaurants where basically you just sit in the car someone comes up to you takes your order and then you they put like the tray on your window um we uh, we had that where to, we would be just like, hey, whoever wanted this drink, here it is, and that. And I, it was so fun. And that picnic table met its demise, unfortunately. Absolutely loved it. But my mom, she would, in the summers, um, she, my mom loved to tan. And so she would put on her bathing suit and lay a towel down on the picnic table and just lay out, get a tan. And there was, there was one day I, this, we, at this point we'd had this picnic table for 10 or so years and she went to turn over and all of a sudden 
the picnic table broke and she tumbled to the ground. Wow, you're laughing so goddamn hard. The things that my parents have sat on and that have broken under them is funny as hell. Now, not a, like, they were just, like, old table, the old, like, picnic tables and chairs and whatnot. But I remember um, at the time, in, I think I was 16, and I went to go take my driver's test for the first time. I failed my driver's test for the first time. Passed the movability, no fucking problem. Failed the driving portion of it. Um, but uh, we had a vent in our kitchen, which we've now covered up and moved to a different location. But um, my dad's sitting <laughs> sitting on this chair and accidentally moves one of the legs into the vent. Because I think the vent cover was off, so it was just a hole. And it went in, and all of a sudden, the chair collapsed underneath of him. Now, me and my sister, we are in the living room, and we had just come out to the kitchen... And we had saw this entire thing. We're dying laughing. And the only thing my dad can get out of his mouth at this point is, don't laugh, I could have hurt myself. I'm sorry, but that's going to make you laugh even harder. When you're literally told, don't laugh, I could have hurt myself. Like, he's also the the guy who was bringing down Christmas presents. Fuck, I was probably... 18 or so at the time and he his socks were slipping off so he slipped down the stairs put his foot through the wall and yelled god damn it <laughs> oh fucking oh memories i it, it's so funny to think about this shit now and so speaking of memories, we are going to get back into this book where we left off, where Lana goes back into her memories. So here we go. In the beginning of every chapter, there is a quote of Confucius. Now, Confucius was one of Lana's mother's um, favorite people. Was he a philosopher? I don't know. And I feel really bad for not looking that up. I'm going to look that up real quick. Because I feel like an a-hole. Yep, a Chinese philosopher. Okay. Um, so we are starting off where we left off in the last book. Now... That is with Hadley at the door confronting Lana about stealing the identity of Kennedy Carlisle. Now, Lana and Jake, they had come up with a very plausible reason for that. And the explanation really is majority of the truth. There are a few things that obviously they can't really say. And it's not... <sighs> And it and it's really just to protect Lana because if she didn't change her identity then and and her attackers had found out that she was still alive, like they would have killed her like that. Um and truthfully, 
as she's telling the story of of everything, it's it's a miracle she even survived because of all the trauma that had happened to her. Um, she's had multiple plastic surgeries to reshape her face. And she tells Hadley, look, if I take off all my makeup, you would be able to see the scars. I'll, she goes, I'll give you the name of the doctor who performed all the surgeries. And she even lifts up her shirt to show Hadley the scars that are on her tor- that are on her torso, and they somewhat match up to the actual um, trauma that happened to Kennedy's body. So she kicks Hadley out of the house, and the first thing she does is she calls Jake back because they were talking on the phone when there was a knock on the door. And um, she tells Jake, look, you need to look into everything on this Hadley Grace because she just became a fucking problem, which has Jake in such like a panic mode because to him with Hadley kind of learning all of this, it's all their planning has now kind of like gone down the drain. Um, and and he his first thought is we're gonna get caught. And so Jake, not Jake, but Hadley goes and meets up with Logan and the rest of the team because another body had dropped due to the boogeyman. And this time it's a little bit different than the than the boogeyman's past victims. Um, how it's different is the boogeyman carved Logan's name into the victim. Um, so Logan is just like, look, I need, he's like talking, he's just like, I need round the clock protection on not only all the female, um, members on the team, but also on Lana. Now, one girl, one woman on the team, her name is Lisa. She is an ex of Logan's. And she, when she finds out that Logan is with someone new, she is not happy about it. Like, she was completely fine that they weren't together. But the moment she heard that Logan had moved on, it, she, it was just like the fucking claws came out. I don't get it. Um... Like, I had found out, with me, I had found out an ex who I had been with for a year and a half. Um, Not, actually, not that long after, probably a couple months after we broke up, um, he started dating someone else. And it was a girl who he said, who he had told me flat out he had no feelings for and he would never date her. Obviously, not true. Um, And, you know, I was pissed yeah but i'm just like you know what they if if that's how it's all going to be they deserve each other they are not together i think they'd broken up after only being together for i don't i don't even know if it was a year um she is now married with a kid i have no idea what he's up to so any howdy who um So, 
Lisa, another team member, Donnie, and Logan, they all go over to Lana's house. And Lana sees all of them and she knows that Logan's not going to stay. And Logan's just like, look, I want you to have someone here. It's going to be a cop from the local PD here with you. Um, just so then you're safe and then I feel better about you having some sort of protection. And and Lana, even though she doesn't want it, she's giving Logan the peace of mind and agreeing to this. And even though it literally fucks up all of her all of her plans, so she has to now now she has a remember, she has a murder room in her house which is basically just all the plans. She's not going to have a cop living in the house with her. And she still has to go out and do certain murders on a time frame. I don't know how close that time frame is at this point. And, and, and I, I get why Lana is agreeing to this. Because... Logan, she doesn't want Logan to be worried. Even though she can protect herself, she is thinking more of if this is going to help him, I will do it. Because she is like 100% in with Logan. Even though she shouldn't, she is. And But she does find it funny that they are protecting a killer from another killer. I find it fucking hilarious. So with with this manhunt going on for Plemons or the boogeyman, everyone is just very stressed. And and they are like they've got a kill order, a shoot to kill order out and and all of this and it's just slowly it's just moving along very slowly because he has literally dropped off the face of the earth. And um, it's, it's then when things become a little bit more stressful for Logan when he finds out that the detective that he originally had posted with Lana, he got called off and now this new rookie, I think it's like a rookie detective, um is now staying with Lana, and his name is John Duke, but he goes by Duke. Now, Duke is this 28-year-old single homicide detective, very buff, very attractive-looking, and Logan is not for it. So he basically, like, speeds his ass to Lana's to, like, show dominance, be just like, look, you may be staying here, but she's mine. You can't touch. Like, he goes full alpha. And she's... Atlanta's totally fine with that. But she gets Logan to get a couple hours sleep. Because he's literally running on empty the entire time of this. And... While he's on the drive to Lana's. And he does confront... Um, uh, uh, Duke about this, but the reason why the PD put Duke in, in the place was because the PD wants the arrest. Uh, they don't want to give it to the FBI because they know that Lana's going to be a high target once, um, once the boogeyman comes around. And so... 
and and one of the reasons that they want want to get this high profile arrest is because anytime there is a high profile killer or or case or anything like that it goes to the FBI because literally it's in the same jurisdiction um and and with more bodies like being dropped now everything is just out of fucking control and there are more words being written on the victims and so far they are agent bennett and you can't and they get another word when lisa and elisa's car gets hit and um and they find out the boogeyman is the one who hit them he tried to kill them but lisa was able to get her um spare weapon and was able to get a few shots off and injure him but before she did that he carved the he carved keep into her arm and that's when they find out also that um the boogeyman has a girl with him and they and they put it together that she's a hostage so they find out that the girl is a 20-year-old college student named Erica Norris, and she was taken four days before, and that her father is a commander for the SWAT team. And they piece it together that they basically made a deal together. So the deal was as long as... um, as long as Sergeant, I, I want to say it was like Sergeant Norris, but as long as Norris um, told the boogeyman when a raid was going to happen, he would not do, the The daughter would be safe. Obviously, that's not, the boogeyman's not going to ever follow through. When, when does the bad guy ever keep the promises that he makes to makes the people i mean it could happen but really you've got you're basically hoping to you're basically playing i i don't want to say you're playing god but you're letting a sexual sadist off with a female hostage and you think as long as you tell him when any raid's going to happen, he's not going to sexually assault the girl. That is fucking insane. And and and, and I the alternative was, I mean, the boogeyman already had the girl. And the alternative was if the father did not go with, like go with the boogeyman's plan, he was going to kill the daughter. So, I mean, you're kind of in like a whole catch-22 type thing here. What, after they learn all of this, they're at the hospital because not only are both of the um, female team members injured, um, I mean, they're all there to show their support, and that's when Lana literally comes running up to Logan and like she had heard that some team members were hurt. She they she was not given any authorization to know who. Um so like she's hugging Logan and Logan realizes the boogeyman's watching. 
And if he sees me and he's just like, if he sees me interact with her, like she's going to be the next target. So he takes her by the arms, pushes her away and yells at both her and Duke saying that they should not be there. And then gets in Duke's face saying like, you brought her here so the boogeyman can find her. And Lana's just like, I'm done with this. She goes, you know what? I'm sorry for fucking caring. It won't fucking happen again. And she leaves his ass. And so she, she goes back to the house and she, um, uh, Duke is still with her. And, and she draw and Duke drops or they both get out of the car. She grabs the keys and she tells Duke, look, I'm, I'm going for a fucking drive. I don't want anyone to fucking follow me. And I want all the police presence off my property. If not, I will fall. I will call the fucking cops and get your asses off the property. Because she can do that. It is private property. Now, with Lana off in the wind, Logan is trying to get a hold of her, but he can't. And it comes to light that... Erica Norris, the girl that the boogeyman has had um, for the last four days, um, had uh, he has raped her repeatedly and stitched her up. Now, they know this because he had been staying in a, um, like this kind of like back alley type place where a lot of the homeless stay. And so they it, it it and they kind of for the for the right amount of money they tell the cops and the FBI everything that they want to know. So they do find a suture kit so they kind of, so they already know what has been happening. Um they have the father into interrogation and when he realizes that the FBI knows that it's his daughter that he has. He's just like, you just killed her. It's your fucking fault. And like he, and, and you can't really blame the dad for saying this because no matter how you look at it, it's always going to be a lose-lose situation. There's no way for any of this to kind of write itself in a way. Um, and... Uh, and, and like, you can look at it all you want, and it's always going to come to the realization that even if you tried not to make the deal, the daughter was going to be raped and killed, and, and, and it, it sucks. It There's there's no good way to look at this. It, it, really, there isn't. I don't... If anyone has another idea of how this situation could have played out in any other way, please tell me because I'm at a fucking loss. So when Lana drives off in her car, she calls Jake and and she and he she asks if he had found any dirt on Hadley and it's not so much dirt as something traumatic. Now, they find out that she ran away from home at the age of 13 
and she was picked up by the FBI at 16 for hacking, and she was given the choice of either jail or work for the FBI. And you start to wonder, what makes a girl at 13 run away from home? Now, Hadley's father died when she was young. And her mother had remarried to this man named Ferguson. Uh, Ferguson was his last name. I don't remember what his first name was. Um, and she tried to tell people that her stepfather was molesting her, but no one believed her. They called her a, um, a pathological liar and all this other stuff. And, um, and so Lana, she, she, even though, what had like almost the same thing had ha that had happened to her had happened to Hadley. It was the whole, she always had a father that Lana always had a father that doted on her. Um, so she finally, Jake gives her the address to Ferguson and she goes around, she tortures him. She kills him. She learns all of his secrets and he confesses all of his sins. And that leads her to a shack. And in this shack is a little girl around the age of eight named Laurel. Uh, she's covered in bruises, but Ferguson had not uh, raped her yet. But she was still too young for his taste. Um, but his sins that he did confess to... Are, and then she did find evidence of this with 70 photos of children in stages of undressing. Um, he also, she also, she's also given a map that gives the graves of all these children on his property. Now, you might ask how Ferguson was able to get away with this for so long and that no one really looked too much into it. And that's because he was a social worker that had unlimited access to children in the system. What Lana does with Laurel, she takes her to the house of a woman named... Lindy May. And now Lindy is a woman that um, Lana knew from her past as Victoria. Um, and Lindy knew everything that had happened to um, Victoria and Marcus. And she was quieted um, by being raped herself. Um so Lindy is, once she learns the entire situation of what had happened with Laurel, she is gung-ho on taking full custody of Laurel and just taking care of her. And Lana gives her instructions that as soon as something is said on the news about this, um, about anything to do with Ferguson, 
to take her straight to the FBI. Don't go to the PD. Go to the FBI. And talk to Agent Bennett's team. It And it doesn't really take long for the story to hit because Ferguson's body was found. And Lana does everything she can not to link it back to her. Um... Now, after dropping Laurel off with Lindy and everything else, um, she heads back to her house, and while she's in the shower, she uh, sees that Logan had come into her house. Now, this is the second time that Logan had come in unannounced, and and she's just wondering, is there going to be a time where he comes in and I'm going to be covered in one of my victim's blood? Like, that's the first thing that she thinks of. And the Logan is saying, like, he's so sorry that he, that this happened. He goes, I'm not leaving until we can make this better, until we're good again. And so they finally get to that good place. And, um... And that's when the story, um, that's when everything breaks and, um, Logan gets a call saying that Duke is wanting to interrogate Hadley, but he's just like, keep everyone at the headquarters. I'll be there soon. If, if the PD wants to talk to her, they talk to her on our turf. She's not going anywhere else. So he asked, um, Lana if she wants to go to headquarters with him and she's just like all right now she is sitting in the break room and she sees Lindy and Laurel walk by now Laurel has it in her head that no one else can see Lana um that she is an angel and that she gets rid of all the monsters and uh and so when Logan finally gets to the interrogation room, Duke is wanting to know all the special places that Ferguson had took her as a child and and everything else. But, but Hadley doesn't want to answer any of this because she had been told for years that it was all in her head, that she was making it up, that none of it was real. And she's thinking to herself, if I had just said something, if I had just stood up, if I had made people listen, all these other children would still be alive. And... Hadley finally leaves her room after throwing up. And one of the reasons that she threw up was because they were told that in Ferguson's um, scrotum and feet, there were 70 nails. But they only found 69 pictures. One of the pictures, the only picture that was missing was a picture of Hadley. And so that is when Laurel and Lindy show up and they're soon brought back and Duke's trying to get information on the killer, not on where these children, not where 
the bodies of these children were possibly um are are possibly are but just kind of want to know who the killer is and everything else like that and and Lindy's just like I'm not talking until I get in writing that I have full custody of Laurel that she's not leaving my care and they finally get that and she gives them the map of where the bodies can all be found and also on that map it shows how many times he went and visited them and that's just so fucking sick too when you think about it i'm just like and and really it's so fucking sickening that really there are people out there that are like that and it's so so fucking gross so after this logan steps out of the interrogation room to tell her that like she can go home but he sees kind of like hadley looking into um into the break room and then like an emotion go over hadley's face and then she just kind of shakes it off and she leaves so on the drive home she gets a call from jake telling her that the boogeyman just let erica norris go and no no one can really figure out why why after having this hostage for so many days is he willingly letting her go so it's not so she hangs up the phone and she watch she unlocks the door she walks in and she hears music playing but she's just like oh maybe we left it on i don't know and she gets basically blindsided and hit in the face and that's when she realizes someone is in the, is in the house with her and that someone leans down and says are you afraid of the boogeyman and that is the end of book two how oh man the the cliffhangers in this series is fucking amazing it leaves you right there like you're just like oh my god oh my god what's gonna happen next and it ends you're just like, no it's so goddamn good like i i've read some books with cliffhangers these by far are the best cliffhangers i have ever had in a book and i'm not even mad about it like there are some where i'm reading it and the cliffhanger ends and you're just like what the fuck what happens now but with this, like you're in your head, you can imagine what's going on, what how this is all gonna play out, and I, oh, it's so good. Um, there's just so much. There's just with with the first two books, there's so much to unpack with all of it. There's just a lot of different thoughts and feelings and everything just going through you because you're learning more and more about Lana and you are kind of just like rooting for her to get her revenge and for her to go free and, and everything else. And 
then you're reading more about Logan and you're just like, oh my God, I love him. And, and you're, and you're learning about Jake and Hadley and, and all these other characters. Lisa could really care less about her, but you, you're meeting more of these characters and, and they're slowly becoming real to you. They're now real people. And, and you are 100% rooting for them the entire time. And it's so good. And then you've got this part where you've got two killers in a room. And you don't know what's going to happen. And it's, oh, there's... Because as much as I want to say what's going to happen, I can't. You're going to have to wait till the next episode to figure it out. Oh, or not to figure it out, but to find out. Unless you've already read the series or you're reading as we're going along. It, oh, God. It's one of those books where constantly you are sucked in right away. And as much as you're just like, I, as much as you want to, like you're just like I I I need to go one just one more chapter one more chapter turns into two chapters ten more minutes ten more minutes turns into two more hours and it's slowly like you are literally sucked into this world and you're picturing yourself as one of these characters and you're imagining what is going through their head and that is what makes such a great book and it's just everything just oh it's so good there's i i literally cannot put into words right now words are eluding me and and i i mean this happens quite a bit but still um it's just such a good fucking series um, I will be back next week for the third book. I hope you guys are just like on pins and needles the entire time. Because I know I am. And I've read this series. And I'm on pins and needles to go over what happens next. Oh. I am. Uh, I'm also working on getting some very special guests on the show. Um, I'm hoping that at some point I'd be able to get some authors on on the show to ask some questions. Um, so we're slowly, very very slowly, working towards all that. Um, so before I go. I'm going to tell you where you can find me, where you can email me. I'm going to ask you guys again, please, 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 please rate, subscribe, and review everything. Any little thing helps. Uh, it helps more people find this podcast um, and, and, and all of that. And I would love for more people to find this. Even if you want to do word of mouth, that is fine. If you think you've got You've got family, you got friends that would enjoy this. Tell them. Um, so you guys can find me on social media on 
Facebook and, or not Facebook, wow, sorry, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can also email me at notyournormalbooks at gmail.com. So anything that you want to email me, you can also DM me on Instagram. And that is any book suggestions, any questions you have on the books, any questions you have for me, any thoughts and feelings that you have. Uh, I will gladly take anything and everything. Um, other than that, like, I've got nothing else for you guys. So I will see you guys next week for the third book. And I am so excited for that.